You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. All right, and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Derek, and joined, as always, by your co-host, Kevin. Alex is unfortunately not going to be with us tonight. He's uh, feeling a little under the weather, so he's going to be taking care of himself, and I'm sure we'll see him next week here. But, Kevin, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good. So I got the um, I got the opportunity uh, today uh, to fly out to Atlanta. I'm doing a food show with work, um, but the the show is at the Mercedes Benz Dome here in Atlanta. And so I got the opportunity to walk out of the visiting tunnel and walk onto the field and kind of see that 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 view right of you know the seats and the overhead um scoreboard and and where they do replays and and everything else and walk on the field while we're setting up the booth and everything totally nerded out so on top of that i also got the the idea and the opportunity to kind of sneak around sneak around walk around um the the underbelly of stadiums if you will and kind of their loading docks and their kitchen and some of the, you know, the even just the restrooms that they have down there. It's crazy just how massive they are. But I also came across the equipment closet. <laughs> and I snapped a little picture of that, and I sent it to you and Alex. Um, that was really cool, just to see all the stuff down there. Like, holy smokes. So, um, it's good, man. Uh, even, e- even at work, I'm thinking football, right? So, uh, things are good. I'm ready to, you know, go through some of these uh, drafts. And, and kind of help everybody out based off of where you're drafting positionally and everything that's coming up because uh, the season's coming around the corner, right? Every, I shouldn't say every, most home leagues, right? Most leagues in general are drafted starting this coming weekend and through Labor Day weekend, right? So we are down to crunch time over the course of the next 12 days. Most fantasy football leagues will be drafted. So, um, we're putting this out, ton of content, go over to YouTube. We have all the player profiles. We've done draft strategies. We've done tier rankings, all this stuff. So make sure you hit that like and subscribe button, go over to YouTube, check it out, search the player that you're looking for. You can see, you know, the boys take on everything. And as always, if you have questions, hit us up. We love to get involved and help out how we can. Uh, <clears throat> oh, absolutely. I, uh, Sat there and I was I was getting ready to go and all of a sudden the frog jumped in the throat there so uh, it was a, a lot of fun there but absolutely right like we are fully into draft season we uh, we actually just got done releasing the last player profile that we had in the queue tonight for you right before the show went live so um, all of the boys thoughts out there are on the uh, you know on the YouTube's there we've got. Um, I think when I was counting it up, something like 222, 218, uh, 200 and something um, p- different player profile videos out there. So we took you deep this year 
on those uh, on those player profiles so you can get the boys' thoughts, you know, those little two to five minute, uh, you know, bites of information and nuggets of information on how we think that the uh, players are going to perform, how they're going to rock and roll, how they're going to, you know, really show up here for your fantasy draft. So uh, make sure that you're heading over there, right? Kevin already told you, head over to youtube.com slash at good old boys FF and hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. You get the notification like tonight when we, uh, we changed up nights uh, where we normally go Tuesday. We, uh, we went a day early uh, this week. So uh, had you uh, been already subscribed over there, rung the bell, you'd have gotten the notification. The boys live come hop in here because this is going to be a just amazing show. We've got uh, perfect draft strategy, right? We, uh, we went through and did a ton of different mocks out there and the, uh, the boys went through and, and are telling you where the, you know, where we're drafting at and, and the players we're looking at from every draft position on a well, uh, one through 12 type of league out there. So, um, I am very excited for this one. And this was one of those two that, uh, you know, even in some of the mocks, right? Like, Tilt can even happen sometimes, even when you do a ton of drafts, even when you do a and you're just doing a mock like tilt can still happen because guess what? It happened to me on the, on one of these drafts. And uh, you even called me out on it, like right as the uh, you know, right as that one has happened. I got that text message. Go, you reached your tilting. I'm like, I know I am. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, even in these mock drafts, right, you, you know, we, you guys can see we, we give each other a hard time. Like we mm-hmm. agree on a lot, but at the same time, it's it's honest. It's honest feedback, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's how we get better, right? And so that's one of the things too in the in the comments, all of that good stuff. When everybody gets uh, watching this thing and you see the different draft positions out there, I want y'all to comment on there who you think had the best overall draft, right? Like, um, you know each one of us took a different spot here and, and went through it. And, but as we're going through it, I want you all to, you know, in the comments, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, um, you know, give us, you know, if, if you think we did good, tell us that if you think that, uh, we could have done better, you know, give us that hard time as well. We're here for it. And we, uh, we actually, we absolutely love the interaction and the, the feedback and the, the back and forth there. So, uh, without further ado, are we ready to just get into some mocks? And then into the perfect draft strategy from every position. Uh, yes. Sorry. I am pulling up this particular one. I know you're going to have up on the board as well, but just yep. so that way I can. Uh... Well, while you're pulling that up, I'll set the stage out there for everybody. So uh, the way that we were drafting on this, it was a 14 round draft on this single QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, one kicker, one defense special team. So a pretty standardized league for a starting roster. And then um, a few bench spots on top of that one there as well. So pretty standardized draft, right? We tried to make it as close as we could to what most folks are going to see and and going to encounter in their, uh, you know, in the draft room that night. And we based all of this stuff off of a half point PPR scoring, right? And part of the reason we do half point PPR scoring is one, we base all of our rankings off of a half point PPR and two, it, it kind of lands right in the middle in between the standard scoring and full point PPR scoring. And you can kind of adjust back and forth and, and really, you know, see how some of that would, would shift and look and work based on your league there. But this will give you kind of the middle ground and you can adjust as you need if you're a full PPR or a standard scoring league there. Um, and so Alex was actually drafted out of the 101. 
he is not going to be with us tonight, like we were saying. So, uh, Kevin, you're going to start off and you're going to you're going to handle uh, Alex's draft here and, and rock and roll that one, and we'll get that pulled up here. Sounds good. Um, so, when Alex had the 101, started with Justin Jefferson, right? Um, for a large part, the consensus number number one overall pick. Nothing wrong with that. Great way to start out any draft with, you know, arguably the best receiver in all of football. So I like that. Followed it up with Jalen Waddle, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Cam Akers, Tyler Lockett, Javante in the seventh. I thought that was really good value at the top of the seventh for Javante. Um, then Brandon Cooks, Zach Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Alan Lazard, Greg Dulcich, and then kicker defense. Um you know, I, I, I like this draft for Alex. I did, and I understand what he was doing there, right? You grab your, your top two receivers late because this was set up off of a two-receiver, you know, start. It was a 2-2-1-1 two, two, one, one format, right? Basically, two receivers, two running backs, one tight end, um, one flex is, is what I mean by that. So I like this. He grabbed his receivers early, both high-end wide receivers. Um, Jalen Hurts at the top of the third. It was one of the big three, right? And we see those big three going in the second round a lot in drafts. So he got them again at the top of the third round. A little bit of value there, but nonetheless, one of those top three guys that we talked about. So he, he saw the tier right there and took his shot and then came over nicely with Miles Sanders and Cam Akers, two guys who are going to see a lot of volume. There's not real competition behind these guys in Carolina and L.A. respectively. So – you know, are they top-end Christian McCaffrey? No, they're not, but they will see a lot of volume. And tons of opportunity is what we're asking for when you wait on running back a little bit later. Um, Tyler Lockett, third wide receiver slash flex play. I really like this play for Lockett. I think he's being undervalued a little bit um, because of JSN. Um, so I like the fact that you can get him as your third wide receiver and fill him in in any flex spot that you need. Javante Williams, I'm a huge fan there. And then to round up kind of the rest of the bench, I, I'm good with Cooks and Dallas. Get a piece of that offense. Charbonnet, timeshare, right? He might be option two here at the moment, but he's one injury away from being the guy. Kendra Miller flashed in the last preseason game, right? We saw the ridiculous catch, and then he punched it in the end zone there for the Saints. Um, Alan Lazard. you know, you have a piece of that Jets offense and Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy. And then – you know, Greg Dulcich, Alex felt like he was the best tight end available. And that's how he rounded out his roster. And he's able to wait until the 12th to grab a pretty serviceable tight end, right? Like Dul Dulcich has uh, he has top 10 upside. Now, I'm not quite sure that he's not going to finish there necessarily, but the upside is there. And, you know, why the heck not in the 12th round take a guy with some upside and run for it? So, you know, this is this is our guide. Of, of things to look for in this range for the 101. And I thought Alex did a really good job with this draft. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of it, right? Like really kind of going through like exemplified a pretty good like zero RB type of strategy here, right? Like you go out, you get a, you know, you, you get a difference maker, positional advantage 101, right? You follow it up with Jalen Waddle, who again, high end type of ceiling and Jalen Hurts, who, you know, tier one type of quarterback. So, you know, you've 
you know, going through your tiers, you've kind of separated yourself out there in some absolutely fantastic drafting. I thought out of the one hundred and one for Alex. There's maybe a couple of things when it got into the bench, I might have gone a little bit different there. But overall, like uh, I really like the way that he rounded out the roster and really kind of brought this thing home um, and really kind of solid, especially for his starters and and his kind of first guy up off of the bench to to replace some of those starters as well. So I really think that he did a great job there too. All right. Oh, that's one. Sorry. The way this draft went, Sanders, Akers, and then Damian Pierce all went three in a row, right? So right. 4-12-5-1-5. Again, it's, it's that same tier, guys. So just a little peek behind the curtain. I think I might have gone Damian Pierce over Cam Akers, but I see nothing wrong with Cam Akers if you like what he's doing in this Sean McVay offense, right? Like he seems to be out of the doghouse, and I understand the allure to that. He is explosive. He he played well down the stretch last year, so I get it. But if you're more of a Damian Pierce fan, you could have grabbed him in this four or five turn as well in this setup and would have been just as well off, right? I think at that point it's apples to apples. It's just the guy you like more. For Alex, it was Akers. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and head over to the 102, and that's where you were drafting out of. So, two, um, I took uh, Jamar Chase. Um, uh, Jefferson went first there, so I, I went with Chase, have a piece of that offense. I liked it. Tony Pollard came back to me. I was really happy with Pollard as my top running back. Then I went Calvin Ridley. I really like Calvin Ridley and what he's um, – and what he's going to be capable of here in this Jacksonville offense uh, after Ridley, again, Miles Sanders in that four spot, right? You, consistency, right? We see Miles Sanders, if you're liking him or if you're needing, if you're waiting a little bit on running back, going the back end of the fourth. Instead of my first back, though, he's my second. It changes the dynamics of the roster. Um, Justin Fields at 502. You know, it, it was kind of the end of that tier for me, right? And so I liked the value that I was getting for Justin Fields there. I felt like I could build a good roster throughout with him there, and I, I feel like I did. Um, followed that up with Darren Waller. Get that high-volume tight end, a tight end that could potentially lead this team in targets for New York at, at the end of the sixth round. So I was I was happy there. I think initially I was looking at running back and the running backs that I liked were off the table. Um, so I waited on that. And the one that I was possibly considering, James Cook, fell to me in the seventh, right? A guy who has been going in the sixth round. So I get a little bit of value there as he's creeping up closer to the start of the season as far as ADP goes. Grab him in the seventh to round out my wide receiver room. And then, you know, then it's it's fun, right? Uh, Gabe Davis, high-end, high-end guy who is getting – kind of lost in the weeds, if you will, on draft day. So went Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, two wide receivers that I like. I think they have a lot of value there. Cole Komet, just in case. And I grabbed Cole Komet a little earlier just because I do have a little bit of hesitation about Darren Waller's health. So this protects me. And it matches it up with fields. So I get a little mini stack there, if you will. Um, Elijah Mitchell, because he is one um, – He's one injury away from CMC to being the guy in a really run-heavy offense. I like that, so I grabbed him in the, in the 11th. And then Kyler Murray because, you know what, I felt good about where my roster was. But at some point we think Kyler's going to come back. Fields has a late bye week, so I can run Fields through the first, I think it's bye week's week 13 if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and I can run him through and then play Kyler. Um, sorry. Yes, week 13. I like that. So I don't need Kyler until week 13. He's just going to sit on my bench. But when he's healthy, he is dynamic. And I felt like he was a better option than going for a Mac Jones or a um, Baker Mayfield type, uh, even Jimmy Garoppolo. I took the upside of Kyler, followed that up. Best defense I could find, the 49ers. I think they were the first one off the board at that point. And then, you know, pick your kicker there for the last pick of the draft. Yeah. I like that. It was, it, again, a, a, a very solid draft, like like when you were putting that through, right? Not really any weak points, especially when you're looking at the starting lineup there and then bolstered that up with, you know, a lot of uh, depth there and some pretty good depth um, through a lot of skill positions as well. So, um there really wasn't anything when I was looking at this one that I went, ah, uh, maybe I would have gone a little bit different route here. I, I think you, I think you played the board really, really well as it fell to you. Well, thank you, sir. Cool. All righty. Um, any other thoughts on this one? No. Cool. All right. We're going to go ahead and head on over to the one Oh three. And I took the one Oh three. So um, this one here, um, you know, I have been drafting a whole lot of kind of wide receiver early off and, and kind of letting the uh, running backs fall to me as they will. But uh, in this one here, Chris McCaffrey was sitting there at the 103, and I said, okay, let's go ahead and do that one. Uh, so kind of a little bit of a hero RB type of strategy almost with this one. Um, so when we were going through that, Christian McCaffrey at the 301, Chris Olave uh, took him in the second round, really liked that one, rounded that off with Calvin Ridley. So my wide receivers there, I felt like I've got two guys that could eat, that could both uh, get up into wide receiver one territory when it's all said and done. And even at even at worst, I'm I'm dealing with two guys that are high end wide receiver twos on their floors there. So felt incredibly good about that. Uh, DJ Moore is the third right to back that one up. Right, a, a very solid wide receiver two that again has some potential and has some upside. Um, especially some some great weeks there. Uh, the guy doing the graphics made a mistake on this one, putting uh, James Cook here at the 503. It was James Connor that uh, went at the 503 to kind of round out the uh, my start my second starting running back there. Then I took Tyler Lockett again, adding more depth on that wide receiver uh, look there, and then went Dave James Cook here in the seventh. Uh, pulled the trigger on the first tight end, uh, my first tight end here on the in the eighth with David Njoku. Followed that up with Kirk Cousins. And then uh, just some depth play here when looking at Algier, Tyler Higby, and then went uh, Justin Tucker, uh, the Dolphins defense, and then Jordan Love in the very last round to, to give me some additional depth. And looking at that too, right, I can bounce back and forth and play a little bit of quarterback by committee with Cousins and Love. Jordan Love has an incredibly juicy matchups to start the like the first four weeks of the season. Absolutely loved those. Um, loved how that's that uh, those matchups are gonna uh, kind of fall to me there. So uh, you get Chicago, Atlanta, like those are two, two, uh, two guys there that should be pretty good. New Orleans maybe a little bit tougher, but then Detroit, who has been, um, yeah, a little leaky last year, and we'll see how that uh, if they stopgap that. But um, absolutely, kind of loved how this roster fell into place. Any thoughts on this one? No, I, I I do. I like the roster. I like the high end upside of these starters. 
right? McCaffrey, Alave, Ridley, and more are all number one options on that team. James Conner, we think that volume is going to be there. It's just a matter of if you trust the Arizona offensive line, right? Like that, that is what is the hang-up on Conner. But you follow that up with another, you know, high-volume guy and a, and a very good, um, I, I guess, a very good, at this point, bench role, right? He'd be coming off your bench with Lockett and then Cook to sub in for James Conner. If Conner slips and Cook excels, those are easily switchable. So I, I like it. I think overall you're probably not going to want to carry three quarterbacks. So maybe it's a little bit of trade bait. Maybe you just find someone that pops and you end up dropping Jordan Love. Gotcha. I only have two QBs on this roster. Oh, it is Cousins and Love. Sorry, I was reading – I read something else. Okay. Gotcha. I was making sure I didn't, didn't miss no, something no, no. else. You're good. My apologies. My apologies. You are too. Yeah. No worries. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and head on over to the 104. And, Kevin, you had the 104. <sighs> this is probably the draft – I don't know that I loved this draft – for me as much once we got into it. Um, and I'll get into that here in a little bit. Start with Tyreek um, as the third, I guess, fourth pick, third receiver off the board. Chose to go that way instead of like an Austin Eckler. Um, again, in the second, followed that up with Tony Pollard. And then the third got Calvin Ridley, right? So um, I clearly like that 2-3 Pollard-Ridley kind of combination there. I think that works. Justin Fields in the fourth. I probably reached a little bit. I, I could have gone some different directions. I was probably around early from doing that. And I think that was kind of a, a start of interesting decisions. Um, Miles Sanders, again, to back up Tony Pollard, again, right there at the fifth. So same type of range. Another James Cook pick there at the beginning of the seventh. Um, sorry, with Darren Waller smashed there in the middle. And then Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton. Jarek McKinnon, I didn't – in retrospect, I don't know that I would take that Jarek McKinnon pick again. I was looking for some sort of balance in the running back room, and I think I reached on that pick slightly. I should have been more patient with it. Um, I grabbed Geno, again, just in case, right? Just this Justin Fields, if he gets injured, if his completion percentage just falls through the floor and struggles, um, that type of thing. So I did add, add that second quarterback a little earlier. And then, um, you know, Dolphin or Dolphins defense kicker, and then Samir White. Now, this with what we did last week, right? Zamir White was starting to be the pick for me late in drafts because we keep getting closer to it, and Josh Jacobs hasn't uh, shown up yet. Now, there's reports that he will, right? This is the latest news. But at the time of doing this, there wasn't. So I was taking late flyers on Zamir White because if he's going to be the guy, for a 14th round value that atones for a lot of sins throughout the draft. If you can pick up a guy in the 14th and he ends up being one of your starting players or at least into a flex spot in multiple weeks, that's great value there. So it could atone for it if Jacobs doesn't show up, but even if he does, there's no guarantee that he's going to be healthy, right? You might need, or, or, or in shape, I think is what I want to say in shape. So you might need Zamir white for the first couple of seasons. If you're a Josh Jacobs owner. Fair enough. All righty. And then Alex had the 105. We're going to switch some things around here real quick. Just because I... There we go. All right. So Alex was taking the 105. And 
Alex started off with the Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey or bust, uh, you know, train to a train of thought here. So he went to 105, uh, Travis Kelsey followed it up with Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Jalen hurts in the third, Amari Cooper in the fourth, um, really kind of like the way that he, he rounded that one out here and really kind of going with that true zero RB type of strategy here. Um, you know, you've got, you've got some really good receiving options. You've got your, your difference maker at quarterback there. Uh, JK Dobbins, Rashid, uh, Rashid white, uh, Mike Williams, AJ Dillon, Khalil Herbert, uh, Alan Lazard, Daniel Jones, Nico Collins, the Ravens defense, special teams, uh, Matt Gay is a kicker. Uh, so really, you know, kind of solidified some pretty, pretty good things there from a, uh, deal that, um, uh, or from how he ended up playing this one out there, JK Dobbins, Rashid white, uh, definitely two guys that should see, uh, plenty of volume and are guys that, you know, can, you should be able to be, you know, kind of move through and cycle through and be able to round out that, that running back room there to, to play that off and start with the one that, um, that, you know, had I done this one, I would have done different. I would have gone, uh, somebody different than Mike Williams in the seventh. Um, yeah, I would have looked at, I probably would have gone with another running back there. And then, um, you know, because right after Mike Williams, James Cook, uh, David Montgomery went off the board. So I would have probably looked there and then um, looked at wide receiver in probably the eighth round, looking at, um, you know, a Jordan Madison, George Pickens, Mike Evans uh, type of play there. Um on how that one kind of came to play. But uh, overall, I thought that he, he put together a pretty good draft here and really brought that thing um, home very, very well. All righty. Let's go ahead and move on over to the 106 here. And I had the uh, the 106 when I was going through it um, and really kind of went a you know, kind of a different strategy here. Almost went a hero wide receiver on how this one played out here. But Tyreek Hill sitting here at the 106 said, yes, please, uh, please come on our roster. Let's go ahead and uh, make some things happen. Um, and then followed it up with three straight running backs, uh, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon. So realistically, I got three RBs here in rounds two, three, and four. And if, you know, things play out well and uh, well for these three guys, these are all three guys that could finish into RB one, um, you know, being able to, to roll those guys out there week in, week out as your RB one, two and your flex. Uh, so was absolutely, uh, astounded by that, um, or, uh, very happy with that, that start there. Jerry Judy in the fifth, being able to take that wide receiver and kind of play things off there, really pick up Jerry Judy as a second wide receiver. I've been liking him as my third wide receiver on a lot of rosters, but with that running back start there, felt very comfortable taking, him, especially when I paired that up with Brandon Ayuk in the six. So, uh, you know, through six rounds, three running backs, three wide receivers, and feel a very solid core on all of those there. Uh, James Cook was available in the seventh, so I took that shot there. Um, and there were some guys still in the seventh that I that normally I would probably look at a little bit different. You know, David Montgomery was there. I might have gone that route. Uh, like he was certainly in consideration, but. Again, kind of with the three RBs I already had there from a skill set perspective and how I wanted to to construct that roster, I wanted to go with a pass catching type of guy, uh, type of back and a and a back that's going to do a lot of damage out of the backfield through the passing work. So, uh, you know, kind of change things up there. Went Tua in the eighth, 
Uh, so definitely getting a you know quarterback that has top ten upside there. Really like that one. Cortland Sutton um, in the ninth. Uh, this one here was one that, yeah, I really like the value of Cortland Sutton in the ninth there. Pairing him up with Jerry Judy, yeah, that's a little bit risky, a little bit there, but I could always pair up and and trade some, make some trades later on down there. Cole Komet, Romeo Dobbs, um, Tyler Higby the Patriots defense and Brandon McManus to ran that out as the, uh, you know, the kicker in defense there. Any thoughts on this one? Um, no, I, I think, I think that wide receiver room works well, right? Like I think Judy and Ayuk are interchangeable as your wide receiver too there. Um, and quite frankly, I know we kind of talked about this. I think maybe ideally you don't want both Bronco receivers on your roster. Um, You know, so, so you might be able to package something up and, and, you know, if you want to upgrade it tight end, right? Like maybe you package Judy and commit and try and get, you know, something like a Darren Waller or, or something in that neighborhood. If you're looking to upgrade a tight end a little bit, other than that, I like Dobbs, right? Like we think Dobbs is going to end up kind of leading that team. So you have some value there. I know we both really like Sutton as well. So I, I think that the hero wide receiver strategy that you're talking about worked very well for you. Yeah. All righty. Let's go ahead and head over to the 107. And Alex had the 107. And Kevin, you're going to take uh, Alex's 107. All right, so 107 for Alex in this draft. Um, you know, Tyreek fell to the seventh pick. Alex picked him right up. I think that's a great pick at 107. Um, I, I don't like drafting in the middle part. I can do front. I can do back. The middle, it, it gets choppy seas. And so I thought this was a great start for something like that. Followed it up with Amon Ross St. Brown, a name we haven't seen on any of these boards yet just because of where we'd been uh, drafting. Um I like that pick at 206, right? So now you are set at wide receiver for the most part. Um, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, to follow that up in third and fourth. Um, I, I like that. You may, I think you might want to be a little bit more dynamic in some ways, um, but Aaron Jones can provide that ability, right? Like we've seen him fall into the end zone 14, 16 times in a season. So we're, you know, little bit of a different look for the offense, but I do think Aaron Jones is still going to be highly involved in Green Bay. And as you're running back too, nothing wrong with that one. Um, Jerry Judy in the fifth again, nothing wrong with that as a flex play or your third wide receiver. Um, Dalvin Cook in the sixth. I, I don't hate this necessarily, right? Like it, seeing how this is going to go and who's going to be kind of the – the first one out between Cook and Brees Hall. Um, So I don't mind this at six. I like that much better than paying a third round price for Brees Hall, right? So get the guy with the cheaper option if you want a piece of that. And Dalvin Cook is still, you know, he's still in the back end of his prime, right? Like he is not in his peak years, but he is still in his very, very productive years. So there's nothing wrong with that. Monty, a guy that we like as well. So, Way to round out that running back room. You are set through the you know first seven rounds. Tua uh, being your quarterback in the eighth, I like that. Nice little mini stack with Tyreek Hill. That's always a nice thing. 
followed it right back up with Kirk Cousins. A little interesting, but health concerns possibly, right? Like I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for Alex. I don't know exactly. So I'm going to maybe he had health concerns and wanted to make sure that he was not going to be fighting that. And if Tua happens to get that, you know, God forbid, but if Tua happens to get another concussion, um, having Kirk Cousins as your backup and a guy with top 12, not only potential, but kind of steadily, right? Like he is steadily in that 11, 12, 13 range. Um, so, you know, you get the best QB two that there is out there probably. And then kind of rounding out Dobbs went in the 12th in this round. I thought that was really good value for, for this one, especially with all three of us liking him. So good on Alex there. And then kicker defense. Absolutely. Uh, this was like, I think this was the only draft that Alex did that Alan Lazard didn't end up on his roster. Like that was kind of the common theme through all of that. Like that was one of his dart throws uh, late was, was always the Alan Lazard move. And like, this was the first one that I, I don't think that he ended up with, uh, with Alan Lazard on. Nobody but, picked his boy, Adam Thielen. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, overall, I thought he did pretty well on this one. Um, you know, really kind of solidified a lot of, you know, added a lot of good depth in there, but, but his starters definitely uh, kind of came out to play um, on this one here too. So I think that he'll be set. Uh, out of the 107 and i and i agree with you too when you're talking like the the middle of those things there's a lot of draft positions you know kind of going through some of this that i would re- that i've really liked drafting out of yeah that that five through eight has not been one of them that i've i've been very very yeah. fond of this year i'd agree i don't love five through eight one through four uh, i don't seem to ever have a problem with it i really like nine through 12 this mm-hmm. year um but yeah, that, that five through eight is just, it's a tougher range. Um, you know, the good thing is you're smack dab in the middle, right? You're waiting about the same amount of picks each time. So you don't have that long turn and watch players that you want just constantly slide off the board. The bad side of it is it's hard to, you have a harder time and really have to understand your draft room and, and the people you're drafting with to take some of these players, right? Like if you really wanted, if you really wanted David Montgomery, right? Like he's a guy that has been going in the middle to back end of the sixth in a lot of drafts. So you have to make that gamble that he's going to get back to you in the seventh. If that's a guy that you're really targeting. So right. it worked out for him, but just kind of one of those in- instances, right? Where you have to read the room a lot better in the middle of a draft than you need to, on one of the bookends because there's, you know, 22 picks in between, you know, the time you finish selecting and then you get to select again. There's a lot that happens there. In these, you know, you're talking 12, 13 picks. Cuts that in half and, and you're able to make decisions or try and make decisions of what you can gamble with and what you feel like you need to have. And maybe you reach that half around a little bit more often here in the middle to ensure you get the guys on your roster you want. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and move on over to the 108. And you were drafting out of the 108. Yeah, fun time with this one. This this board looked a little bit different than things that I have been doing in some areas. So um, Bijan fell to 108. I picked him up. You know, if I, I'm okay with having a piece of Bijan, right? Like, I like Nick Chubb. I like Saquon Barkley. I like Bijan. But they're all kind of right there. Um, 
So if you want to change it up a little bit, great. And that's what I decided to do. So start with Bijan. Garrett Wilson fell back to me at 205. I love that. I thought I was, you know, feeling really good about myself after these first two picks. Joe Mixon in the third. Um, and then Amari Cooper in the fourth. I, I went Mixon there because I didn't love the receivers that were sitting around me at the back end of the third round at that moment. Um, I, I'm not a Debo. I'm not a Debo fan. Um, I decided to pass on um, Keenan Allen at that moment and went with, you know, knowing that I have the upside, you know, big spotlight. Everybody's watching Bijan and then pretty Mr. Consistent and Joe Mixon, right? Like he is consistently right there at, you know, the, the back end of RB1. And I don't see that changing this year uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so, yeah, Amari Cooper, Drake London took the upside of a young wide receiver, followed that up again with some other upside. Brandon Ayuk, a guy that I think will end up leading the Niners in, in most receiving categories by the end of this year. Then my touchdown guy, Monty, um, and then Tua, right? Stepped into that, got Tua, Friar Muth as my tight end, um, and then Dobbs in the 10th. Again, Elijah Mitchell, Gerald Everett in the 12th. Um, not because I don't believe in Pat Fryermuth, but because I really like the upside of Everett, and this is one of the few positions I could grab him, and it wasn't picked by someone else. Um, and then again, my two flyers at the end, Zamir White and Kyler Murray. They're throwaway picks if you know if need be. Um, I If Tua gets hurt and Kyler's not back, I'm going to have to do that, right? Like I'm going to have to be put in a position of do I drop Kyler, even though he's a couple weeks away, you know, what, whatever that looks like given the time. But um, for some reason, I decided I was going to be sassy this round and not draft kicker defense. Yeah, the uh, that's one of those that you'll uh, you'll be able to look that or stare that one down week one and go, which kicker, which defense, and who am I dropping to? Right, right, and, and you're right. And it shows up, then Zamir White's a pretty easy drop. Right. right. I may not love it, but, you know, I can drop him and play the matchup, you know, the Jags or something like that for week one, possibly. Um, you know, same thing with with Kyler. You know, if I'm not loving the reports here in two weeks right before the season starts, if, if we know that he's going to be on the IR to start the season, well, maybe I'm not worried about it for the first five weeks. Maybe right. I'll start worrying about it in week, you know, or, or the first four weeks at least. So maybe I drop Kyler and then see how some of this other stuff shakes out for me. Right. So I was one of those that even though you didn't draft that, I was like, well, I, I can still see that. And you've still got a pretty good path forward there. So uh, overall, though, position wise, you know, really like the way that this draft panned out for you. So, yeah, I like the flexibility between Cooper and London. Right. Like I have my upside one in Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, Drake could have the upside, but I do like the, the chemistry between Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and head over to the 109. And I was drafting out of the 109. This one may have been my favorite draft that I, I put together on uh, on all of these. So with the 109, Cooper Cup fell to me. Uh, you know, took that one, followed it up with Garrett Wilson in the second. So uh, starting that off with two guys that, um, you know, two guys that, that you know, I, I very much see finishing wide receiver one type of thing here. So starting that off with a very, very solid mix there. Then went Joe Mixon, uh, a guy that in the third round RB, you know, 
could still, you know, is a guy that could be in their back end RB one top end RB two type of thing. Really like that start. Keenan Allen was there, went ahead and said, yes, please. Uh, so I've got kind of a Mr. Consistency there for a third wide receiver flex type of position. Then uh, James Connor, Javante Williams. Uh, absolutely love the fact that you know, James Connor, I think that he'll get a lot of workhorse type of type of work out there and, Arizona is definitely a volume play. Javante Williams looking really good coming back there. So Javante is my third RB. Felt very good about that one. Evan Ingram hanging out there said, all right, let's go ahead and change things up there. Went Evan Ingram to, uh, and then Elijah Moore for some upside type of wide receiver work there. Tyler Algier, again, I think we'll do some pretty good things out there and probably still get somewhere around 180 to 200 opportunities. Uh, not bad for an RB that you're taking in the 10th round. Romeo Dobbs in the 11th. Absolutely love this pick. Took Kenneth Gainwell. Again, lots of good reports coming out of Kenneth Gainwell um, that he may get a whole lot of first and second down work and then took you know kicker defense in the 13th, 14th round there. Uh, but overall, this was the draft when I got done. I uh, I said I feel like this was my best one, and I was very happy about how this one turned out. Yeah, I like this one. I think you have a ton of flexibility, whether it's RB two or your flex spot in general. Um, you know, you have some some upside plays there. Some guys that are are absolutely worth rostering, and you might as well have them on yours because you can afford. You know, you can afford Tyler Algier and Romeo Dobbs because of the strength that you built up there in the first six rounds. You're not overly worried about it um, if it doesn't happen to pan out because you still have an Elijah Moore, who we know will see a lot of targets in Cleveland as well. So I, I like this draft a lot. Yeah. Now, this was my absolute favorite one that I put together here. All right. The 110, that was you, Kevin. So – much like the ninth was your favorite, this one was my favorite. I absolutely loved this draft. A, because it was a little bit different, and B, because I did it my traditional way, right? We've been talking about grab your wide receiver, grab your wide receiver. And in this draft, it started out Saquon at 110, Nick Chubb at 203. I could not turn Nick Chubb down at this point. Like there were options on the table. Yes, I could have done some different things and gone with um, Garrett Wilson. I think St. Brown was off the table, but Chubb staring me at the face or in the face. And I said, yes, please. I have to. So I'm starting out with Barkley and Chubb as my anchors for my running back position, knowing that because I did that, I can either take, a couple flyers later on, or I can just pump the position now for the next few rounds. And that's exactly what I did. I followed it up with Calvin Ridley, Drake London um, as my top two, or excuse me, Devonta Smith and Calvin Ridley as my top two wide receivers, Drake London in the fifth as my third wide receiver, Trevor Lawrence in the sixth um, to kind of get that nice little stack with Calvin Ridley. And then in the seventh, I finally went back to running back um, grabbed A.J. Dillon because I do think that the Packers are going to run the ball a fair amount. He will see his fair share of opportunities down there. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think where he's going to see a lot of passing work, right, in a standard league. May not pull this trigger on Gibson. Um, I probably look at Brian Robinson a bit more, but with it being a half point and even more in a full point, Gibson works really well for me there. And then Elijah Moore, um, Daniel Jones, 
again, because I felt like I had my roster, or excuse me, Elijah more than Dalton Schultz as my tight end. And I felt like I was set enough at those positions. I didn't want to double tap tight end. Um, so I decided to pivot and go Daniel Jones, a little bit of keep away for some folks in the league, possibly. Um, and then Niners defense, Tyler Bass in the 12th and 13th because of where I was drafting. And then in the 14th round, again, picked up Zamir White because of the Josh Jacobs situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like this one too, right? Like you, you, you just kind of solidified RB and then just were able to put together a really, really good roster around that one and, and really, you know, through the first four rounds, like I, I don't know that that could have gone any better for you. Like there were zero things that I that that I could think that you could have changed that out to have improved this roster, uh, especially through those first four. Yeah, well, and because in my rankings I have Ridley ahead of Devonta Smith, right? right? So I was playing the board a little bit. This was that gamble that you're able to take at the back end that is harder in the middle, right? I knew that there were four picks that had to happen between Devonta Smith and me being able to select Calvin Ridley. So I gambled on that a little bit and lucky for me, it worked out because like I said, I have Ridley ranked higher. If Smith would have been gone, I, I would have taken Ridley at 310 and been perfectly fine with that. Um, but the way it fell, it made it super easy for me just to follow my board, go through it and take a slight gamble there on, on receivers that I have in the same tier, just one guy slightly ahead of the other. And the gamble paid off. Yep, I like it. All right, let's go ahead and hit up the 111. I had the 111 here. And this one was another one that I felt really solid about walking away from. But uh, Nick Chubb at the 111, right? Like, I think Nick Chubb probably finishes his RB3 overall this year. Like, that's just kind of how I see him playing it. So with him taken as a last, you know, kind of you know, late round, first round pick, absolutely love that value there. Followed it up with CD Lamb. Um, to get my wide receiver one, followed that up with Keenan Allen. So again, I've got two guys that have, uh, you know, a lot of kind of just consistency there, wide receiver. Uh, then went Joe Burrow, right? And and kind of how I see that one playing out there. Uh, I've got Joe Burrow as, as QB four. Um, so taking him in the four, it's felt pretty good there. Followed that up with Javante Williams, Rashad White. So feeling really solid about that RB room. Um, you know, it's six rounds in. George Pickens in the seventh. George Pickens, a guy, not going to surprise me if we look up at the end of the season, actually kind of taking over wide receiver one in uh, Pittsburgh there. Followed that up with A.J. Dillon. So, again, right, just adding some depth there. Uh, Elijah Moore um, in the ninth. Felt pretty good about that, right? A little bit of an upside type of shot. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan, right? I get the handcuff for Javante, and Samaje's got standalone, you know, standalone value on top of that. So felt really good there. Taking uh, the double tap here, and this is a move I really like doing kind of late in the uh, 11th, 12th, uh, waiting on tight ends, and then double tapping Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, did the double tap here, uh, went kicker defense to round out uh, 13 and 14. But uh, walking away from this one also felt very, very solid about this draft position as well. Yeah, so the strategy with the tight end, I really like, again, on the bookends, right? It's really hard. It's harder to do that because of A, where these two guys are drafted, and and B, you know, you know that um, 
you know, if you're in the middle, there's, you know, eight, nine, 10, 20 picks in between one tight end and the next. It's hard to plan that out. But on the bookends right there, I really like it. And I like this combination specifically. Like, I really do like this combination. You have to play, you're going to play matchups just a little bit. But I think this combination works that between bouncing back and forth between the two of them, you are basically going to end up with um, kind of tight end seven or eight type production throughout the year if you're playing your matchups correctly. Yeah, I like it. All right, and Alex had the 112, and so with the 112, with A.J. Brown, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Alexander Madison, Dallas Goddard, George Pickens, so kind of through the seven, like this was one of those that um, I certainly wouldn't have gone this route on this one, but looking back at it, um, yeah, I can certainly see the upside and see the, you know, the path forward with this one. Um, I'm not overly excited that I've got my George Pickens as my second wide receiver on this one. Uh, but you're going AJ Brown, Patrick Mahomes. You know, you've got to kind of solidify that running back room there and went through and did that. Um, you know, once we get into the eighth, you got Antonio Gibson, Khalil Herbert, Alan Lazard, Sky Moore, Russell Wilson, and then kicker and defense 13, 14. So, um, yeah, you, it's one of those that you're kind of shooting for some of those upside shots with Alan Lazard, Sky Moore, um, to do that. And uh, this is one of those that the only thing that I, I might have changed would have been grabbing a, uh, you know, a really solid wide receiver too, probably in rounds four or five, and and gone it a little bit differently. But overall, I think this is still a roster that you're going to be able to compete with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's enough pieces here that you can trade. You know, you can make some trades, right, if you need to, because you have the bench strength and everything else to, you know, pair some guys up or whatever and upgrade at a position of need. So it's 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 a different looking roster, right? Like uh, that's just kind of how Alex saw it fit. Again, he wanted to draft one of these top three quarterbacks, but when you're on the bookend, again at the back end, this is kind of what you get not stuck with, but this is what it looks like coming back to you, right? Like you take a Travis Etienne because Joe Mixon was just out of reach and Ramondre Stevenson was already gone and Najee's already gone. So he's kind of the, the, the last person of that tier. Um, and then felt like he needed to follow it up with, with um, Jameer Gibson, right? Or Jameer Gibbs, excuse me. Again, another guy that you haven't heard us talk about a whole lot. We we are not necessarily on that train, um, but it, it, Alex felt like it worked for his, and he went for the upside, right? Really young. This roster's really young. Uh-huh. A.J. Brown, Etienne, Gib, um, Gibbs, uh, Pickens, Herbert, Sky Moore, all these guys are really young. So it has a lot of breakout potential for, for what this roster is, and you are extremely – and not, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're extremely loaded at the top, right, with A.J. Brown and Patrick Mahomes. So you know you're going to have a – for all intents and purposes, you feel like you have a top seven wide receiver, um, potential being top five, and you feel like you have the best quarterback right there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, any other thoughts here on the uh, you know the perfect draft positions? 
no, I mean, this was a fun exercise, right? Like right. this was this was something fun, something a little different. But I, I think it shows the variety and and the different ways to go, right? We saw some zero RB. We saw some hero RB. We saw some heavy RB. We saw, you know, the same thing with, with wide receivers. We saw quarterbacks going late, like Patrick, or like what we did with Tua, right? A couple different times, grabbing Tua in the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was about as late as we did go with our first quarterback. Um, and then as early as the 201 with, with Mahomes. So tons of different things to look at from this point of view and ways to uh, see this draft come come throughout. And obviously it's not ever, shouldn't say ever, it's not going to fall exactly like this most of the time. We understand that. But it's just, it's the idea of the guys who are going to be in that area, the possibilities, what your roster could look like. And as you build it through the first three or four rounds, what you need to look at in rounds six through 10 to kind of finish rounding it out before you start worrying about kickers and defenses. Right. And that's something else too, right? Like I, I constantly see, you know, guys go through and draft a, you know, make sure that they've got all their starting positions filled and, you know, continually see folks draft a defense kicker in rounds 10, 11, you know, take it like those types of things, or, you know, they've got their starting wide receivers, starting running backs filled out, and then they got to go dra- grab a tight end, um, you know, to make sure that they're getting the tight end in the, the fifth or sixth round type of thing. Like you can do it. You certainly can just, that's one of the things too. You, you you've got to look at overall roster construction on that one. And yeah, that's kind of the thing that yeah, as we get going through season through season long, right. And we have folks tuning in like, and they're like, Hey, I need help with this roster. How do I do this? How do I flip this? How do I try and make a trade or make a waiver act, uh, ad? Or what does this look like? How do I try and fix this roster? Um, those usually tend to be kind of some of the most common things we see is that, uh, folks went a little bit too early on a, um, tight end folks went a little bit too early on defense special teams and they missed some of the value that they could have gone for in the depth plays of those positions there. And so, you know, kind of a hidden nugget tip there, make sure that you're really going to for full roster construct, not just trying to, to fill out your roster, make sure you've got all your starting lineup positions filled before you start looking at, um, you know, at, at roster and bench and, and, uh, that kind of stuff there, right? Like, yes, I get it. They're you're drafting bench players, but your third wide receiver is going to put up more we- more points consistently week in week out than your kicker is, than your defense and special teams is. Like, there's there is some of that roster construct that that you really want to go through and, and really play out there and really balance out there as well. So that was kind of one of the other things too that I thought was very interesting as we were going through that. Um, you know, it was one of those like you know you. We, we highlighted on some of these things that it turned out that we went a zero RB or a wide receiver hero or running back hero or whatever type of strategy that, that did, that was not one of those that we handcuffed ourselves into. We had to try that strategy out uh, going right. in, right? Like the, right. the construct that we had for ourselves here was you've got to go out and you're drafting a championship roster, right? Like you're drafting a roster that's going to allow you to contend and compete for a championship this season on that one and just kind of allowing the board to fall to you as it will. And um, I think probably at every single one of these draft positions, we were always looking best player available 
and best roster construct available there as well. And it just happened to be that it fell into a hero RB or a hero wide receiver or RB heavy or zero RB or whatever that looked like. Um, And so that's one of the things that point out there as well for folks that are looking for some strategies and tips and things like that. Don't just get yourself handcuffed into, I saw this guy on YouTube tell me I've got to draft a zero RB because that's how I'm going to win my league. Take the best player available more often than not, and you'll be able to look up at the end of that that draft and go, aha, I've, I've got a roster that can compete here. And if nothing else, and you're, you're a little bit overloaded in a position here, position there, trading is fun. And trade, and you can help improve your roster through some of those trades as well. But uh, you'll find a lot funner time trading and a lot better trade offers if you've got guys that are, you know, other people want instead of, you know, just trying to worry about, uh, you know, going for a specific strategy. And you've got, you know, your third RB is a guy that would be the the fourth or fifth or sixth RB on somebody else's roster because you you had to go after this specific strategy like. Don't don't handcuff yourself in there is what I'm trying to say. So no, I completely agree. Any other thoughts on any of that? No, not that I can think of here at the moment. Awesome. So we're gonna kind of pivot here because we've also got um you know some top five lists that we were gonna go through, and we're gonna talk about our top five draft values. Uh, some folks in the uh, in the industry would call those sleepers, and we've also got our top five fades. And it's not necessarily that we, you know, we're fading guys because we don't believe in the talent or we don't like the the player, or whatever. This is always a fade off of their current ADP and how we tend to construct rosters. We don't necessarily agree that they're going to be able to return value at that ADP there. And there's other guys that we would look at there as well. So kind of one of the, the constant themes that I see when folks ask us questions or comment on some of those player profile videos and things like that is it is, has far more to do with the draft capital and the ADP than anything to do with the player on that one. So just keep that in mind as we go through those things. And um, yeah, that way everybody, on the same page there, but let's go ahead and start it out here. And by the way, we, uh, we got so into the, so into this one, we're going to give everybody a bonus, right? We said top five values. Well, there's a bonus one here at the end. So make sure that you stick all the way through on this one. But, uh, Kevin, do you want to start us off here on the number or one of the best values that we see in draft capital right now? Yes. Um, so one of the best values based off of draft capital that, that I'm seeing right now is is Romeo Dobbs, right? So Romeo Dobbs started out really well last year, had the ankle injury, slowed him down a little bit. Obviously, everyone remembers, you know, the three-week run that, that Christian Watson had, and everyone just automatically decided that he was going to be the number one for Green Bay going forward. Um I, I'm not subscribing to that. Um, I I like the fact that he is going late. You can pick him up in the 11th, 12th, 13th round, depending on kind of how your draft is going or whether you're starting two receivers or three receivers type, type deal. But like we've said this for the last, I don't know how many weeks, Derek and I both are under the uh, belief that Romeo Dobbs will lead the Green Bay Packers in most receiving categories this season. So that makes him the number one wide receiver for this year. 
might change going forward. But for this year, this is this is you know what we're looking at. And you're able to grab him late in drafts at a value. And if he pans out, awesome. You get to start him, put him in your flex, brag about to your league mates how damn smart you are, and have him help propel you into the playoffs. And if he doesn't, then he's another bench player that you keep trader cut. Like it's there's zero risk involved with that. So I really like Romeo Dobbs as uh, one of my value picks. Absolutely, I like that one. Uh, a guy that I've got out there as well that that we're very high on here is David Montgomery, right? Like David Montgomery is a guy that has just performed year in year out for fantasy. He's been behind a bad offensive line in Chicago his entire career has the upgrade. Detroit has one of the best offensive lines in all of football this year, and he gets to run behind him. And, oh, by the way, I think that he's going to eat. He's going to get tons of opportunity. I really see this being a similar Jamal Williams type of role that he's going to play in Detroit there and a steal in your draft at the 7th, 8th round type of draft that you're putting up for David Montgomery there, and especially for a guy that can go out and put up double-digit touchdowns for you this season. So absolutely love the draft capital on David Montgomery. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Going down to kind of the third guy on our list, um, very much in the same range, Javante Williams um, for the Denver Broncos. Um, This is not just a homer pick, guys, right? Like we waited this long because – we wanted to see what he looked like. We were doing our research. We had heard good reports. We knew he was practicing. Then he got cleared for contact and and everything else. And then to see, is he 100% back? I don't know that you could say he's 100% back just yet, but I would tell you that he will be 100% here in the beginning parts of the season. And with as much as Sean Payton's going to want to run the ball and stay balanced on offense, right? Not put too much on Russ, not put the offensive line in bad positions, make good decisions with the football, all those things. Javante Williams is going to have a really good year. And for a guy that you are able to pick up in the middle to back half of the sixth through, if you're really lucky, the middle of the seventh round, right? That's kind of the window he's going in. I have no problem grabbing him at the very beginning of the sixth and and just calling it good. Um, so I really like Williams. I like what he's going to be able to do here in his Denver offense. And I think he, at this point, is a guy that provides a ton of value, especially if you're waiting on running back. Absolutely. Like, absolutely love that. And he looked really good in the preseason game there, too. So, uh Another guy, right? And this is one of those that folks are going to start saying that uh, that these are the uh, the hometown preference here and preferentials. But uh, Cortland Sutton's another guy that you can you can consistently get in the ninth, tenth round, and for a wide receiver that has slimmed down, right? He's slimmed down a little bit here. Uh, really is really great reports coming out on how he's adapted to the Sean Payton offense, um, sees himself in and sees how he's going to kind of fit into this thing. Uh, Cortland Sutton's a guy that you can pick up in the ninth, 10th round that could get all the way up into your know, back end wide receiver two, top end wide receiver three type of territory and can be a guy that 
you know, very much in consideration for, um, you know, spot starts and flex type of play. Yeah. So the production that we've enjoyed out of Keenan Allen, the last three seasons, four seasons, that is the role that Cortland Sutton is going to play for Joe Lombardi in this offense. Right. And yes, there's going to be Sean Payton twists, which is why we're saying, you know, back end of wide receiver two. We're not claiming that he's going to jump up into wide receiver one territory. We're being realistic about this, but where the value is and the role that he's going to be playing within the offensive constructs that are now in Denver, major value there for, for Cortland Sutton. Absolutely. Um, I know I've touched on this. I'll be quick about this one. Uh, when we made this list, Zamir White. Zamir White is a value because a he's a he's an absolute must handcuff if you have Josh Jacobs if you decide to draft him, and if Josh Jacobs is not uh, in shape, right in football shape, or if something happens, then Zamir White becomes a you know he becomes. RB2, right? He becomes a middle-of-the-pack RB2 with flashes, right, where you might be able to see top-end running back two type numbers. Again, we're not claiming that he's going to go from zero to, you know, league hero in this instance, but in the 14th round or 13th round, wherever that is, there is value for having a guy who you know has volume, Right, there is a clear path to volume for Zamir White at this moment, and you're getting him so late that if it doesn't pan out in the first few weeks of the season, you can release him. Maybe you try and flip him to the Josh Jacobs owner. Maybe I would before I just cut him, but other than that, you just release him and you pick up something that fits your roster better. But given what's going on in Vegas right now, there's way too much value for him to be ignored. Absolutely. So the bonus ones that we've got, it's a running back by committee type of bonus here. But Deion Jackson, Zach Moss, the Indianapolis Colts backfield outside of Jonathan Taylor, who, yeah, this could be one of those that we could see a trade happen, right? With news circulating on this one here. Um, yeah, he's still got still got issues with the ankle. Um, yeah, coming off the injury type of thing. Like this is one of those that these are both guys to keep an eye on and guys that you can take, you know, last round dart throws on that could absolutely return massive value for you and be potential spot starts, flex type of starts uh, for you as well. And, you know, one of those that you, Deion Jackson's a guy most folks were sleeping on even last year when he put up RB one on a week with a Jonathan Taylor absence. Uh, one of those weeks. So both of these guys, Deion Jackson, Zach Moss, worth a, worth a very late dart throw last round, last pick of your draft. Um, yeah, these guys could do some big things, especially how things might play out here in Indianapolis. Absolutely. Cool. Before we get into our top fades, we're got a question coming in here from Scooby. Over on the YouTube, welcome in, Scooby. I don't think I've ever seen you in the chat before. So welcome in. Let's go ahead and get your question here. Uh, Scooby's playing in a keeper league. 
They can keep a guy for two years. They kept Amon Ra last year in the 15th and can do it again, or they could pivot to Garrett Wilson in the 11th with the potential to keep him for the next two years. Uh, which way would you go? So Amon Ra in the 15th with one year, and this is the last year that they can do it, I believe is how that's reading, or they can pivot to Garrett Wilson and have him for the next, you know, potentially keep him for the next two years in the 11th. This is a tough one. I like this one. Um, for me, I am going to keep Garrett Wilson for the next two years, right? Like bo- both come at a tremendous value, right? Both of them are coming off the board back into the first through the middle of the second round. So you're getting tremendous value for both. So, yes, you like the 15th round value. Um, but 11th is really good for Garrett Wilson as well. Um, I have them very, very close in my rankings with Garrett Wilson, the slight edge because of how Aaron Rodgers hyper targets his number one receiver. I believe this will continue in New York. And with that, I think Rodgers has a safe two year window to fulfill the potential, you know, keeper contract or however you want to phrase it of Garrett Wilson. So for me, I would take the value for two years and then you just, you start working on trying to find. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know that I've got any different, you know, anything different here, right? Like absolutely would love Amon on the 15th. Um, the fact that you can keep him again, but it would not surprise me if we see depending upon how things play out this year in Detroit, like they could be making some moves at, at the quarterback position here um, sooner than later, right? Like Jared Goff, they they're getting to that point where they can, they can kind of move off of his contract there. And if they want to go into a different direction um, with all the hype around this, around this team, if they don't live up to those expectations, like that could be a whole thing there. So, um, uh, but I do think you're right. I think Garrett Wilson probably gives you the um, – I really like that pick. And I know when I'm when I'm going through and I'm drafting guys in the second round, uh, Garrett Wilson's the guy I'm looking for. Amon Ra is the guy that I tend to fall back on uh, if Garrett Wilson isn't um, isn't there. So Garrett Wilson's the guy that I would I would go on uh, on the keeper on this one. In the 11th, you're still getting tremendous value, and especially for two-year window. Yeah, I I think we're in total agreement on this one here. All righty. And we've got our, oh, the Bayou Bengal Fantasy Network chiming in saying, hey, everyone, welcome in Bayou Bengal. All righty, let's go ahead and, oh, if you're going to put comments like that, I got to put them on the screen. So hit the like button. Appreciate that, Bayou Bengal. All right, let's go ahead and hit up the, the top fades here. And um, so these are guys, again, right? We're fading based on their current ADP and where we think that they're going to return value at for it. And Kevin, why don't you go ahead and start us off here? Um, one of the guys that I'm fading is Anthony Richardson, right? Like I understand the allure to it. I understand that with his legs, there is a ceiling that is extremely high for redraft leagues, right? I'm not talking dynasty. I understand where he's going as a top three pick in dynasty. But for redraft leagues this season, 
I am not drafting Anthony Richardson at his current ADP. I would rather take Tua. I would rather work through Dak Prescott and kind of mitigate the risk at quarterback. Um, Now, in a league like Scooby just had, right, it's a two-year keeper, maybe I change my tune a little bit in single quarterback leagues, right? Maybe I look at that and, you know, if you go quarterback early or even if you wait, right? Like if you can go – if you go two in the ninth and then Richardson – or two in the eighth and then Richardson in the ninth, if you feel confident enough with your roster construct, I think think that's okay. Um, The the real question is, do you think that you are going to see that year two jump or are you really only getting – one year out of him in year three in a situation like that, right? So me personally, because of where his ADP is, I am fading Anthony Richardson. I am not trusting any of these rookie quarterbacks to uh, produce consistent and reliable fantasy value at my quarterback position. Agreed. Uh, Another rookie that I'm fading on his ADP, Jameer Gibbs, right? Like kind of the darling of the fantasy industry right now. I'm just not looking that way in the third round. There's there's other guys I'm going to go with in the third round. Um, Jameer Gibbs, I, I, again, I think most of the touchdown work in Detroit, uh, especially when they get inside the five. They're not a team that tends to throw the ball. Uh, they're a team that tends to run, and I think that Monty is going to eat uh, on those five-zone type, uh, type of rush attempts. So uh, Jameer Gibbs, a guy that I'm going to fade off of his uh, current ADP. I like that. Um, another group uh, group of RBs that I'm fading is Dolphins running backs. Um, they've ran the ball a little bit better this preseason, which is great, but there's three of them. And when there's three of them, that's a big problem. It's hard enough to navigate between two as, as people who are, you know, avid fantasy players well understand. But now there's three, right? Um, each provides their own upside. A-Chain uh, went out last game, right? He got dinged up, pulled. Moster looked pretty good. Um, and then uh, Wilson didn't play at all. So um, it, it's just it's – a, it's a convoluted backfield, and it's one that I am fading at all ADPs. Um, I will take a flyer on Moster in the 12th or 13th, I suppose, if I'm if – I'm, stretched if i'm thin at running back i think that's where i make my exception but if i feel really good through the first nine rounds of where i am on running back i'm not looking at those dolphins i'm looking for high end high upside wide receivers dobbs sky Moore is a guy that i'd look at a little bit here um and then possibly pivot over to zamir white uh Deion jackson zach moss type thing towards the end of the draft I like that. Another guy that I'm pivoting off of and fading on his current ADP is Debo Samuel, right? This is a guy that I, I honestly think that Brandon Ayuk probably actually outperforms Debo at the end of the season when it's all said and done here. Um, so I'm going to take the you know, wide receiver two out there in San Francisco, Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel in most of these drafts and feel very confident in that decision. Very good. And, um, Another wide receiver to add to this list. I am fading Christian Watson, right? I, I I don't think that Jordan Love is going to target Christian Watson the way that Aaron Rodgers felt like he had to. 
I think that there's a reason we have Do uh, Romeo Dobbs on the value list and Watson on the fade list, right? One's too high and one's too low. That being said, it's not that we don't like Christian Watson. He's an athlete. He's a lot of fun to watch, and we've seen he can put up wide receiver-type numbers. It's just at the ADP. I want him two rounds later, mm -hmm. right, with not really knowing how this is going to work out with Jordan Love, with him not really doing anything in the preseason to speak of as far as um, statistical output and, and what that looks like with the connection and the chemistry between Christian Watson and Jordan Love. All these things make me want to fade him. Um, now, I might end up with him on a couple rosters if I'm able to grab him at the value that I perceive is accurate, which, you know, is going to be closer to that sixth, seventh round. Seventh, no, se excuse me, seventh, eighth round. But a lot of times there's a running back right in that round that I like anyway, so I'm choosing a lot of running backs over Christian Watson um, just due to the fact of Rashid White, um, or excuse me, Rashad White and uh, Javante Williams and David Montgomery are all kind of going in this area. And if I can get one of those guys as a third or possibly second, but third running back, I'm going to take that avenue and I will find wide receivers elsewhere that have upside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike Williams is a uh, is the bonus guy here that I'm fading, uh, and especially for redraft, a lot of it is I just don't want to ride the up and down waves that it comes with with the Mike Williams experience on that uh, riding yeah, the injury bug. He's been binged up here the last few seasons, but quite frankly, with Mike Williams, if he's not going to fall into the end zone nine or ten times throughout the course of the season, so if he's not going to put up a touchdown every other week, type of thing. He has not had very good fantasy seasons here. So for redraft season long, I am fading uh, Mike Williams on uh, on current ADP. So any other thoughts on the list there? I think, I mean, I think we can add a lot to that list, right? Like right. Uh, on both sides. Right. You know, I think we can add, you know, on the values. I like Gabe Davis, right? I like Davis more the closer we get to the start of the season because he's just falling into that weird, you know, back of the eighth beginning of the ninth type round. That's too late for Gabe Davis. Like he was dinged up a little bit last year, never really looked right. And the reports out of Buffalo is that he's much better coming into this season. So, you know, you're picking a guy up who, you know, you're getting at wide receiver 43 to 47. That is going to finish at, you know, most likely wide receiver, 26 or higher, right? There's value built in there. So, you know, we can go through and cherry pick and continue to add guys. If you have thoughts or opinions or questions on any player in specifically um, before your draft, again, hit us up, let us know. We'll be happy to kind of um, update our opinion at times, right? Because things change, situations change. So maybe it's a little bit different than the player profile or verify that, yeah, we still stand by what we said, on this player profile, this guy is, you know, yes, grab or no, maybe, maybe you look for something else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the one thing too, when you're looking at some of those player profiles, if you're looking at like bears players, right. Or, you know, some of these teams that were, uh, had very poor, uh, standings wise last year. Uh, a lot of those player profiles were recorded back in like may. So 
things have obviously changed since then. So uh, great call out there. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Do you have any final thoughts out there for the viewers and listeners? Enjoy draft season, right? Uh, tons of content around. So, you know, it, indulge, suck up the content. Obviously, it's your draft and your decision to make, but you use us as a tool. Let us Let us guide, let us help. And then ultimately, you pick the guys that you want because this is supposed to be fun, right? You want this to be fun. Otherwise, you kind of lose interest in playing our wonderful game of fantasy football. So, um, like I said, questions, comments, hit us up. Other than that, uh, may the draft be with you. I like that. All right, that's going to do it for us. Um, and make sure that you're hitting us up on all those socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of the, those things at good old boys, FF, you can best place to support this independent podcast, head over to YouTube, youtube.com slash at good old boys, FF, click that subscribe button. We are trying to make that March towards the thousand subscribers and every subscribe there helps with that. So appreciate every one of you that have already subscribed. If you're tuning in, and listen to this for the first time, hit that subscribe button. Help us out. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. He's Kevin. I'm Derek. We'll see Alex again next week. Uh, we'll be back at the uh, normal time, Tuesday, 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Have a good one. Be safe. To loose.